Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Summertime, baby, we are here. So excited to be in our series and uh, in, in talking about just the vision of our house. And, and today we're talking about freedom. Tell your neighbor, say freedom. And uh, so we're, we're talking about freedom. How many guys have core memories in your mind? You got like something, you'll never forget it. It's there. It's permanent, right? Some of them are good. Some of them are not, right? Some of them make you smile. Some of them make you cringe, right? You're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Um, I had, I remember one time we were in three services. I was the uh, executive pastor and youth pastor uh, at our old building, and we were in three services. They were 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, um, and by the end of the third service, you didn't even see people. You just saw shapes and colors, all right? It was just like, there's people out there, and uh, I remember I was closing out service, and it was, I don't remember, it was a weekend where everyone was just tired. Come on, y'all know what, like, there are some days you just come in, you're like, man, I don't even know, all right? Um, and it was one of those weekends, and so I was feeling the energy of the room. Pastor Dan had just got done preaching for the third service, and I got up there, and I was like, how many guys are still awake out there, right? And um, I didn't mean it like his message was bad. I meant it just like, <laughs> I just meant it like, you guys are tired. We're all tired, right? But I remember saying it, and uh, one of the people on the front row was like, ooh. And I was like, I was like, no, 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 I didn't mean it like that. You know, like, uh, and then there was no fixing it. You can't take that back. That's a core memory. It'll be in my mind forever. I still feel bad about it. Um, and so Nate, at the end of our 830 service, came up to me. He said, can I get up there and say, how many guys are awake today? I was like, absolutely not. Don't you dare say it. <laughs> but we all have these core memories, and we all have things from our past that stick with us. And some of them are memories. Some of them are experiences. But how many guys know some of them are just bigger than that, and they're more than that? How many guys know we have situations and things we've been through, things that happen to us that are with us that, if we are honest, we carry around with us? Right? They, may not, they are core memories, but they're experiences that we have in our life. There are things in our past that we're trying to carry in the present, and we're trying, quite frankly, if we're not careful, we're going to try to carry them into our future. And God desires that we would let some of those things go. Like it is God's plan that we would be free to pursue the life he has for us, not hanging on to some of those things. But how many guys know that can be hard, right? In Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, God kind of lays out through Paul the, this uh, message about these four things that God wants everyone to experience, right? And we started last week talking about knowing God. In Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, right, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that's what we talked about last week, right? That we would have this wisdom, we would have this revelation that we could actually know God, all right? We, would, we could know him. Now, we dealt with that last week. And then it says, right, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, right? And, and so you may say, Brad, my, my heart doesn't have eyes, right? My head does, right? <laughs> but what, what it actually means is that you have things you experience logically, but then you have things that you experience emotionally. I'll put it to you like this. What your eyes see, you process logically, but what your heart feels is emotional. And, and so what many of us have gone through, we have not been able to detach the emotions of our experience from what we saw happen. 
which is why some of us are still experiencing the emotions from 20 years ago that we went through with whatever situation it was. And he's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the, the, the part of you that experiences pain, the part of you that's honestly still holding on to your past, I pray that it would be enlightened. And he goes on later to say that you would see the hope that he has for you. God wants you to detach from the things you're holding on to so that you can pursue the things that he has for you. The problem is that can be hard. So there's four steps that we know God wants every person to take through the Bible, right? The first one we've already told you is to know God. He wants you to know him. Not just know about him, like we talked about last week, but actually know him. The second thing God wants for you is to find freedom. That's what we're going to deal with today, finding freedom. Now, this is unique because how many of you grew up like I did, right, where knowing God was the only step, right? Like if you grew up in the church world, it's like, you need to know God. And like, okay, I know God. Now what? And they're like, just hang on, man. Just hang on, right? You're going to get there eventually. I'm like, that is not encouraging, okay, right? Uh, why? There's actually more to this journey with God than just knowing him. There's some things he wants to do in your life and then through your life. You just got to gotta get there, and he's going to help you. So there's knowing God, but then there's finding freedom. Notice finding freedom is second, not first, because you don't get yourself together so that you can know God. You know God so that he can help get you together. And if you get it out of order, you're never going to feel good enough, and you're always going to disqualify yourself from drawing close to God. Know him, and then he'll help you get it together, all right? And then the third thing, the third step is discover purpose. There's a purpose in you, and we're going to talk about that next week. The two greatest days of your life is the, greatest, is the day you were born and the day you find out why, because he put something in you. I'll say it like this. We'll get into this next week, but I'll say it like this. You're not an accident. Regardless of whether your, plan, your parents planned you or not, you're not an accident. God destined you for a purpose. He put some things in you to help you find that. And if you want to help, if you don't know where to start to figure that out, next steps is how we help you figure that out. All right. And so, but God put purpose in you so that you can, number four, make a difference with your life. He doesn't just want you to have purpose. He wants, to, he wants you to use purpose to make a difference in other people's lives. Right. Ultimately, our lives exist for a reason. And so when we look at uh, finding freedom, there's a story that we're going to use in Exodus uh, with the Israelites. And we're going to be mostly in Exodus, but we're going to kind of move through the story a little bit. And in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, I'm giving you a little bit of a history here to help you understand some things because I want you to understand God's heart behind your freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say freedom. So God has a heart behind your freedom. In Exodus 6, 6 and 7, God is speaking to Moses, getting ready to tell him to get the Israelites free from the Egyptians. Many of you remember that story. They were in slavery. He's going to set them free, right? And so he says, therefore, say to the Israelites, right, I am the Lord. Now, before I go any further, uh, if you have ever gone to a Jewish Passover or any of those things, if you've ever taken the Lord's Supper or what, like, what they would call communion, even though it's different for them than it is for us, um, if you've ever done that in Jewish culture, right, they don't use, like, remember, you know, we have the holy happy meals, Right with the little the little cup and the thing with the wafer and you know uh, so they don't have anything like that all right when they when they take they actually they don't even have one cup they have four because it's not about one covenant God made with them it's about four promises four I wills that the Lord committed to them and so when they take it they actually drink they'll they'll, they'll proclaim the I will pray drink that cup 
Then they'll go to the next I will, pray, drink that cup, and they'll do it four times. And these are the four I wills. I want to show them to you because it shows up in how our four steps shows up. Right? So he says, I am the Lord. He said, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you free. I'm going I'm to bring you out. I'm going to save you is what he's saying, right? And then he goes on to say, I will free you from being slaves. And so he's like, I'm going to let you go. He said, then I will, say I will, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Now, for the record, that's not judgment against them. That's judgment against those that try to oppress them. All right, and so he says, I'm going to redeem you and judge with an, with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. And then he finishes, number four, and I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. So these are the four I will. So what they would do is they would pray, God, thank you for saving us, and they would read it. I will uh, bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and so they drink that cup. They call that the cup of sanctification, right? And so being saved, being set apart, so they would drink from it. One cup down, and then they would go to the next one. I, I will thank you, God, that he will set us free from being slaves to them. So then they pray for that. That's the cup of deliverance, right? We don't often use the word deliverance around here because for many people, it's like. Okay, so, but, but we, we, still, we still see it, right? And so uh, there's deliverance. They call it the cup of deliverance. And then the next one, I will redeem you. That's what he said, right? That's the cup of redemption. And so they'll drink from that cup. Uh, and then there's the fourth cup, which they call it the cup of praise or hallel, which is the, like to, to praise God foolishly, which how many guys know if you're four cups wine into it, <laughs> you're praising however. No, like, so, but they call it the cup of praise or one of the best words that it translates to is the cup of fulfillment. That's why when we see God make, connect the dots between making a difference with our life, we always talk about how it brings fulfillment because it's what you were designed to do, which we're going to deal with in a couple of weeks. And so, so there's four I wills. And from the book of Exodus all the way through the book of Revelation, these four promises show up over and over again. Salvation, deliverance, redemption, fulfillment. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. These, these four themes keep showing up. And so we want to talk with you today about that, because my question to you is, if he says, I will bring you out from under the weight or the yoke of the Egyptians, and then his second promise is, I will free you from being slaves to them, isn't that the same thing? And the answer is no. See, he brought them out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, but they, he still had to get the yoke of the Egyptians out of them. So it's one thing for God to get you out of something, it's a whole different thing for God to get it out of you. Right, and, and, and I put it like this in your notes, but God can get you out of your bondage, but he still needs to get your bondage out of you. That's why we can see an, an athlete uh, go from the ghetto, right, and all of a sudden he's making $20 million a year, but he still gets caught with, you know, with little bags of weed or whatever, and that's not the world I'm getting into. But you can see, you're sitting there going, what an idiot, dude. You're getting $30 million a year to catch a football or whatever it is. Why would you? Why? Because he wasn't able, he got out of the environment, but he brought the environment with him, right? And I think for many of us, God has got us out of some things. We, we've made up in our mind, praise God, he got us out of something. But can I tell you something? If he doesn't get it out of you, it'll be a constant battle for you to feel like you're worth something. And so you'll never get free because you brought it with you. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes that's your fault and sometimes it's not. The problem with most people, they don't want to get free because they have an excuse to be the victim if they keep it. 
So I have a reason to be mad. I have a right to be angry because this happened to me 20 years ago. Well, maybe you do. And if you want to stay in bondage, stay in bondage. But if you want to get the free life in Christ going on inside, you're going to have to choose to find some freedom in your life and let go of what's behind and start pursuing what God has for you, right? And so it's about finding freedom in what God has for you. And so we want to introduce some concepts to you because I think it's going to help you today, especially some of you that maybe you feel like you've been stuck in something from the past. And the first thing I want you to understand about finding freedom is that finding freedom starts by saying goodbye to your past. Finding freedom starts by saying goodbye to your past. What's behind you is behind you. And for so many of us, we carry these things with us and we walk around with them and their burdens. That we, but, and can I tell you something? How, how many guys have ever tried to forget? Anybody ever told you, like, you need to forgive and forget? Right? Try it. How many of y'all know it doesn't work, does it? Right? You can forgive, but you're not going to forget. I remember I played hockey when I was younger, which is always crazy to me. We were, I was a northerner, and then we came down to Florida, and there's not hockey in Florida, not for real. Okay, so, um, and so I was playing roller hockey, and I remember playing roller hockey, and, I, and I've told this story before, but some of you never heard it, and, uh, and so I was going from, if any of you ever, like, where the, anybody grow up rollerblades? Where the rollerblade people at? Come on, raise your, yeah, let's go, 830 service, they were like, I don't know what you're talking about, Whatever. So I, you remember the heel break, right? So, um, and then if you break, if you were going real fast and you break, it was like a line you got to draw in your driveway. And so um, I was going from heel break to side, like stopping by just turning hard sideways, right? Like hockey style. Cause you're, you know, you're not cool if you'd use the heel break in hockey. So I was like, I was learning to do that. I had mastered it. So we were playing hockey in the driveway one day and I go to stop and my brain wasn't thinking about any of that, and I went to use my heel brake, and it wasn't there. <laughs> so it was just soon, right? And I think there was like someone was playing like Sarah McLaughlin in the background, like in the arms of an angel, you know what I mean? Just like, ah, right? But I fell on my elbow, right, and tore it up. They, I actually had to go to the hospital. They had to get the Brillo pad thing and clean the rock. I mean, it was like, ew, ew. all right, so. And I remember that going through that, um, and, and still today, like, I was doing my hair this morning to get ready for church, whatever. And when I do that, I can still see the, the scar on my elbow. I mean, this was 20-something years ago. Uh, and so I, every time when I'm doing something, I'll see the scar, and it reminds me of what happened. Does it still hurt? No. Will I ever forget? No. And the reason why many of us, see, you'll never forget. But some of you just keep opening your wound over and over again and wonder why it won't heal. And some of you just need to let, let God put some ointment on that thing. Let it scar. It's going to scar. Let it be a memory of what God brought you from rather than an experience you keep living in. Okay? So, so he desires that we would move through that. Why, that's why Paul said in Philippians 3, right, 13 and 14, he says, one thing I do. So out of all the things, one thing I do, I'm forgetting what is behind. Now, could, did Paul ever actually forget? No, because he wrote it about it over and over in his writings. So he never forgot. What he was saying is, I'm choosing not to live there. I'm forgetting what's back there, right? And I, I'm, I'm going to strain towards what's ahead. Do I know what's there? Yes, but I'm going to put my attention on what's in front of me, not what's behind me. So I'm straining towards what is ahead, and this is what he says, I press on. Notice he didn't say, I casually move forward. 
In other words, it's going to take work, but I'm going to choose to do it. I press on, right, toward the prize or the goal to the prize for which God has called me heavenward. So, so what is it? God, Paul is showing us it's going to take work to move forward, right? So we have to choose to let go of the things because a lot of times we're bringing the things with us. We're bringing the past with us. And can I just help you today with one thing real quick? It's only the lies that come from behind you because the truth goes with you. So, so if it's true, you don't have to work for truth. Truth shows up because it's truth. And if it's true, it'll stay with you, not pull you backwards. So let me say it like this, because I think this is helpful for some people. If you, if you relive an experience and it yanks you backwards into the anger from 10 years ago, that's not God helping you move forward. That's not God showing you what he's brought you from. That's the enemy trying to make you relive it all over again. But if you can think about it and see it as the way God redeemed you and your posture in that is thank you, Lord, for where you brought me from and where you're taking me to. Guess what? That's God reminding you of his goodness and how he helps you persevere even through difficulty. And so you can always, if it's yanking you backwards, that's the lies showing back up. But if it helps you focus on God, it's moving you forward. And then Exodus chapter 14 with the Israelites, right? In 10 through 14, this happened to them. Let's go. He says, uh, so if you don't know the story, they were slaves. God brought them out. On their way out, Pharaoh said, you know what? I think I want them back, right? And so he sends the army out after them. Go get them, bring them back. And for the record, he had really proved a lot. God proved a lot setting them free. He sent plagues, water turned into blood. I mean, it was, it was a whole thing. You can check it out. But, but the long and short of it is God went through a lot to set them free. And this is what happens. It says, as Pharaoh approached, because they were trapped, they couldn't get out. They were, they were out of slavery, but there was a sea in front of them, and the armies coming to get them. They didn't have anywhere to go. And as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Well, that's really something, ain't it? <laughs> didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. For the record, no, they didn't say that. <laughs> But how many guys know sometimes the comfort of your past will outweigh the, the uncertainty of God's future for you? So that sometimes we will love the devil we know rather than pursue the God we're not sure of. They said, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. Can I tell you something? Dying in your sin it's always worse than not having control of God's destiny. So it's not better, right? Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance, that word, the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And this is what he says. Get this. He says, the Lord will fight for you. Now I want to stop right there. Because for some of you, you've been trying to fight for you. And you can't figure out why you can't find peace. God never called you to fight for you. He said he'll fight for you. And for some of you, you've been trying to prove your truth, prove your accuracy, prove your whatever. You've been going out of your way. Listen to me. The truth is quiet, lies are loud. 
So you need to understand, you need to let God do the fighting for you. You need to let God prove what's going. You need to let God come through. You need to let all those things happen. You're never going to get there doing it on your own. As a matter of fact, what does he say? What does Moses say they need to do? Be still. You know what your job is? Be still. Matter of fact, if you could find peace in stillness, you don't have to worry about fighting anymore. And so your job is actually just to be still and let God fight for you, which is so frustrating because how many of y'all like me? I'm ready to brawl, baby. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so that's the hard part, but we have to let God do that, right? Which brings me to the second thing is finding freedom requires you to bring the right people into the process because we're really good at finding the wrong ones. You need to bring the right people in the process, right? Because I have people, maybe you're like me, I, I have people when I need peace spoken into my life, I know who to call, right? Like, like for example, uh, I think some of you ladies, maybe not all of you, but some of you, you're at, you married a husband that you wanted to like sympathize with your chaos a little bit, right? So you want to call them about the thing that happened to you today and they're, you're going to be like, this happened and this happened and what you're waiting for is like, oh no, that's crazy. And what you get is sound logic, well, maybe that's not what they meant. You're like, I don't need you to explain this to me right now. <laughs> right? And so, so I have people in my life that are the logic people that when I'm coming in hot, they're going to cool me down. Right? Or they're like, you won't believe this. They're like, well, maybe that's not what they meant. I'm like, man, stop. <laughs> stop right now. Right? Uh, I don't need this. Right? And then I have other people in my life come on, that when I'm ready to turn it up, they're ready to turn it all the way up. Okay, y'all know that? So, so I got peace people and I got prison people. Okay, y'all know that? Like, let's burn it down. Whose car are we taking, bro? I don't know, you know, like, but hear me, we need the right people in our lives. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. We all got those friends. I think you need to have some barely saved friends in your life. You know what I mean? Like, south side of the kingdom, you know what I mean? They're not getting a, they're not getting a mansion in heaven, but they're going to stay with someone else on their couch. That's bad. Anyway, so you got to bring the right people into the process is what I'm trying to say. That got sideways quick. We're not using this service, I don't think. Uh, but all that to say is you need the right people because, listen to me, and we'll all, the reason we're laughing is because we all know what it feels like to call the wrong ones. Okay, so we all know what it feels like to, to pick up the phone, and we know we should have called the people from our small group, but we didn't. We called the people that we work with, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, girl, you need to, and then it's bad. It gets bad quick, right? So we need to bring the right people into the process, and this shows up again for the Egyptians. They're going to the promised land in, in Numbers chapter 13. So they're, they're coming to the promised land. For the record, God was going to lead them through the desert. This, was, this journey should have taken weeks, and it ended up taking 40 years. And this is what I want to show you. And, and let's go to Numbers 13. I'll, I'll kind of show you what, what happens. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. He didn't, he said, he didn't say, which you're going to have to fight for. He said, I'm giving it to you. Send some men in to spy it out. Then we jump down. They brought back word to them and they told them, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. It's everything God said it would be. And this is its fruit. They were carrying large fruit. It took two men to carry the grapes between their shoulders on vine. It was, it's massive, right? However, and this is why you need to pay attention to who's around you. However, the people who dwell in the land are very strong 
and the cities are fortified and very large. And they came back saying, it's everything God said it would be, but we still can't have what God said we could have. Now, this is a problem because God already promised it to them. So here's the deal. They sent 12 men in. 11 men came back saying, we can't have it because there's no, we look like grasshoppers to them. They're, the people are too big. There's no way we can do this. Well, the problem is, if you've got 11 people speaking into you that you can't do something, you may not do what God told you to do. And that's exactly what happened to them. And here's, here's the bigger thing that I think we all need to understand because we're dealing with freedom, right? Is that freedom outside of obedience is still a desert. Let me explain it to you like this. He got them out of Egypt, but it's not just God's desire to get you out of something. He wants to get you into something. And for some of you, you've just been satisfied with what he got you out of. You've never bothered to pursue the thing he wants to get you into. You've been too content. He got me out of that. I'm not in it no more. Yeah, maybe he did, but you're still not living with purpose. You're still not going anywhere. You're celebrating your exit. You're not celebrating your entrance. That's why freedom outside of obedience is still a desert, right? But the reality is this, freedom with obedience is the map to the promised land. So ultimately, where God wants you to be, it's not just about getting out of something. God wants to get you into something. One of the greatest ways we fulfill or we find the completion of our freedom is when we realize where we're going. That's why next week is going to be so important. And so we have to find what God is doing. And for the record, that's why it's important to have the right people around you. Numbers 1330, there was one person that spoke up to the Egyptians, right? And it was Caleb. In Numbers 13, verse 30, but Caleb, everybody say Caleb, because you need a Caleb around you, right? But Caleb quieted the people. Everyone's freaking out. Everybody be quiet, right? He quiets the people before Moses and said, let's just go up there and occupy it. God already promised it to us. Let's just go, Right? He said, we're over to overcome it, not because we're great, because God said we can. God already promised it to us. Let's just go get it. And I think for many of us, again, you've surrounded yourself with enough voices. You've convinced yourself you can't go where God's telling you to go. You've convinced yourself you can't do what God's telling you to do. I'm here to tell you, if God's leading you there, you can. But listen, if you're carrying around Egypt, it's always going to feel like you can't take Canaan. So you've got to let go of what's behind you so you can find what God has in for you. That's the reason why, because many of you, you're like me with this, and you're, you're, you're in that circle like, I, I don't need nobody. Come on, everybody, you know, it. if it ain't you, you know somebody. I don't need nobody. I'm good all by myself. Can I help you out? No, you can't. And no, you're not. You're not good by yourself. I would say you're worse by yourself. Your freedom is never found in isolation. Your freedom is never found in isolation. It's never found with you by yourself. God always uses other people to help you find it. Which brings me to the last thing that I want you to understand is that fighting freedom means releasing others of their offense. If you're going to find freedom, finding freedom means releasing others of their offense. We talked earlier, forgive and forget, impossible. It's just not going to happen. But the reality is this, you don't have to forget, but you can forgive. You can release them of what they did to you. And again, many people won't do this because it is their reason for who they are today. And they don't know who they are without their hurt. Can I tell you who you are without your hurt? 
free. Free. And God wants it for you, but you have to want it for you. I know they hurt you, whoever they are. I know they did these things, and it's, it, it helps shape the person you become. And, man, I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say it in this service, too, because I, I just think that God uh, wants to speak something to some of you today. And, and, and kind of just say this, your parents did their best. Your parents did their best. Some of you, you got hurt. They did their best. They, for some of you, your parents were kids when they had you. And you needed, you needed adult wisdom out of foolish children. And they just didn't have it. But can I tell you something? You still carrying around what they did, that part's up to you. And I pray in Jesus' name that for some of you today, you would be willing to let go of something you've been holding on to for a long time. And I think that goes past our parents. I think that just goes to people in general. Some people did their best. And if their best wasn't up to your standard, I don't know that that's their fault. It's not yours either, for the record. They just did what they could with what they had. But if it happened 10 years ago and you're the only one carrying it, I do think that's on you more than it's on them. You may never get that apology, but it's not a reason not to forgive. Because listen to me, forgiveness isn't for them. Forgiveness is for you. We forgive. They're sleeping fine tonight. You're the one that's awake wondering what they're doing. I can't believe the audacity for them to be sleeping right now, right? You're the one, if you go to Target or Walmart tomorrow and you see them, you're like, not today, Satan. You know, we're just going, right? We're picking a different aisle, friend, you know? Like, we're just, I don't even need those Reese's down there. That was the spirit of the enemy right there anyway, so... Whatever, right? Like we we've all like you know like they're they're the, they're the delivery driver. You know what I mean? They're bringing your pizza to your door, and you're like, I just don't need that pizza today. That was the Lord cutting the carbs out, right? So, like for real, we all like we we know what that feels like to encounter someone. But can I tell you? Listen to me. When you forgive them, you've done nothing for them. You've done something for you. You've let you've let you go, not let them go. That, you didn't do this for them. You gave yourself permission to start living your life again, the life that God has for you, and quit dragging them around with you again because they're not worried about you. You're worried about them. And so here's what, here's what finding freedom or choosing freedom does. Choosing freedom means that I'm trusting that truth will win. Whatever truth is, whatever God, whatever, like, whatever, I don't need to defend myself. I don't have to get crazy here. I'm trust. Listen, I'm choosing freedom. I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to let go because I'm trusting that truth will win. I'm just going to let those things go. And I know it's hard. I get it. Listen, there, there's some, there, there, there are people in my past that I still have on a list. You all know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't look at me like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, like, what is it? Uh, Billy Madison. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Anyway, some of y'all know. If you don't, don't worry about it. Like I, I, there are some people that, like, from my past, I'll never forget their name. I just won't. Matter of fact, the, pe- the person that I am today was shaped by some of the trauma I experienced through those seasons. But I don't have to choose to drag them around with me. They may have created environments and situations that have shaped my personality and my perspectives, but it doesn't mean they have to be the people and the bondage that I walk with because I won't do that. 
Because here's the deal. It stops my ability to love you if I don't forgive them. And what relationships are you not allowed to have right now because of somebody else that's not even around you? I don't know if I can have friends. I don't know if I can be in a small group. And listen, we've all been there. I don't know if I can do these things. I don't, listen, yeah, no, I get it. Trust me, I get it. But part of that not, has nothing to do with what's in front of you. It has to do with what's back there. Hope is in the future. And so we just have to live there. But the last thing I want to give you is this. Sometimes freedom also means forgiving yourself. Sometimes freedom isn't about forgiving them. It's about forgiving you. You're carrying around that core memory of your life where you did something you haven't let yourself go. You're, you're still holding on to things. And, and, and when we look at the story of the Israelites, you know, it, it's later on, so God sets them free from bondage. They go across the Red Sea and they get in the desert and, and that's where God gives them the Ten Commandments, right? So, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me, don't lie, don't steal, don't kill, all the things, right? And so he gives them the law, but notice something. Did you realize he didn't give them the law to figure out if they were qualified to be saved, he saved them, then gave them the law to show them how to live now that they are. And for some of you, you've been trying to use God's law. You've been trying to use religious checkboxes to figure out if you're even worthy of getting free. And God says, I want to get you free, and we'll figure the rest of that out later. You don't need, listen, this isn't a criteria for whether or not you can be saved and set free. This is what I want you, this is the way I want you to live after you are. So some of you need to let yourself forgive. You need to forgive yourself. You need to let those things go so that you can start living the way God wants you to. Because by the way, he does want you to live a certain way. For the record. So I'm going to say that again. There are parameters that God wants you to live by. But he, he wants to take you there after he's done this. Does that make sense? And part of that means you just got to let yourself go. And so as I was thinking about this, I actually shared this in my freedom group last Sunday. And I was thinking through what is, the, what is the thing we have to, to choose, right? We have to make the conscious decision. What does this take for us? And here's what I think it is. We have to release what you have the right to. I'm going to say it again. You got to release what you have the right to. I mean, how many of you ever use this phrase? Well, I'm angry, but I have the right to. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. I have the right to be upset. But can I tell you something? No, you don't. You don't have the right to hold other people hostage for their actions because Jesus didn't hold you hostage for yours. He forgave you, which means you have to forgive others. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. I, to be honest with you, it's not my favorite part of the Bible. <laughs> I'm not, it isn't. Because some people, people are... Stupid. <laughs> but guess what? We still have to forgive stupid ones too. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. We've already laughed enough today. But in all seriousness, people, uh, people make mistakes. People, you would think that they're better than some. You would think they're smarter. You would think they wouldn't. They did. Whatever. My thing is, it's really up to you to say, if God didn't hold me hostage for my sins, I'm not going to hold other people hostage for theirs. If he forgave me, I'm going to choose to forgive them. And here's the deal. It doesn't mean we're going to dinner every night from now on. 
Forgiving people doesn't mean it's like, all right, we're back to our relationship. No. No, because I still got scars. Right? And especially if they haven't changed, I have no responsibility to let them hurt me again if they want to live the same way. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to re-embrace them like nothing happened. I'm saying you have to choose to move forward. And you have to let go of having the right to. And now it's your life to live. So just live it. Because that's what free living looks like. And for the record, the last thing I want to give you, it's going to show up on the screen. Because free living is really what we're pursuing. Because free living can get to purposeful living. And free living is loving, it's gracious, and it's Christ-like. And it's something you, your family, and your places of influence desperately need. Listen, your neighbors and your coworkers and your family, your children, if you have them, right, your, whatever, your spouse, they need the free version of you because it's the most gracious, loving version of you. And so do it for you. Do it for them. And do it for God. And watch him do something great with your life. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you. We're so grateful that, Lord, you, you didn't give us the law to figure out if we were worthy to be free. You set us free. And then you've helped lead us with how to live. And so, God, I just I pray today, Father, that you would help us navigate these things in our life. And Lord, where every person is, God, you meet us there. And so, God, for those that have been holding on to things, for those that they've been tied down, Lord, and, and, and stuck in even, we would use the word bondage, or, or they're, they, they're, they're almost oppressed by mentalities and thoughts and experiences in their hearts, God, I pray you just set them free and, and help them live the free life that you have for them. Bring transformation into their heart so that we can pursue you with everything that we have. So, God, we just pray you help us. For, the, for, for the, the areas where it's hard to forgive, help us do it anyways. We could see you move in our life. So we just thank you. Thank you that you set us free. And we can follow you. We love you today. In Jesus' name. If you're here and you need Jesus in your life, you would say, I, I, I know that I, I want to find freedom, but I know I need to start by knowing God, like we talked about earlier. I know about God, but maybe I don't know him. But today you want to. I'm here to tell you he's ready to meet you. And the sin that has separated you from God, the Bible says that it, it, it's for, forgiven when our faith is placed in Jesus. And today, if you want to put your faith in Jesus, today, if you want to experience deliverance, today, if you want to walk in the freedom from your sin and, and a relationship with Jesus, he's ready to meet you right where you're at. And today, if that's you, today, if you're ready to say yes, then I'm here to introduce you to Jesus in a powerful way. And I want to invite you to say this prayer. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. Your faith and your belief that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins, that's what saves you. But today, I want to invite you to say these words with me to put words to the actions of your heart. And so let's pray church with all of our brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So let's give it up for all those that prayed that perhaps the first time and we celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. 
If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.